Today, if you look, look around you today, please look around. Are there people missing today? Yes, there's illnesses and uh, stuff going around. Um, I know Fred is in the hospital right now. He's having a, his AFib, so he's going to have something, an NDO. How do you say that? Something tomorrow. So please be in prayer for Fred. He's at Carson City Hospital. Uh, he called me yesterday, and we talked for a few minutes on the phone. He said he's doing all right. Um, I said, do you want me to come visit? He's like, oh, you don't have to do that. <laughs> but I might go visit him um, either today or tomorrow. But um, let's be in prayer for these. Um, the halls are sick, so let's pray for them. But I'm going to have a prayer right now. But pray with me at your seat um, today for these um, people that we miss around. Because you look around, there's people missing. Um, so let's pray um, for them as we dive into God's Word today before that. So pray with me. Um, and I want to welcome those online. I forgot to do that earlier, so thank you for listening, and I pray that you also will be um, encouraged today. Um, so let's pray. God, thank you for today. Um, as we come together to worship you in song, to worship you while remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross, and as we come to the Word of God, help us to be attentive and to open our ears and minds to what you have for us today. And we look around and we miss people due to illnesses, due to um, hospitalizations um, or whatnot. I pray that you would be with them, that you would heal their bodies, um, especially be with Fred tomorrow as he has this procedure or test done. Help that to go well. Give the physicians wisdom as they um, talk to Fred and help him through this. Um, just thank you for being a God that cares for people. Um, and I pray as we dive in again to the letter from Jude, um, help us to learn and grow in our faith so that people, that we can impact others for the work of the kingdom of God. Help us today in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to be turning to Jude, that's where we're going to be going. Jude, and we're going to, read, we're going to be in verses 4 through 10 today, but I want to remind us of a few things. Remember, our theme of Jude is, we have been given the responsibility to defend God's truth and pass it on to others. Are we passing it on to others? That's what that challenge is. We want to pass it on to our kids. We want to pass it on to our neighbors, our friends, our family. So don't forget that. Last week we were reminded of that. Impress it on people. Make sure the next generation understands the faith that we have. Are you excited when kids talk about faith? Are you? When, when my kids talk about faith, I love it. When they're excited about it, when they're asking questions, when they're learning and growing, that's exciting. And we have the responsibility to pass it on to others. And remember the takeaway from a few weeks ago and the walk through. Dear friends, those who have been called, loved in God, and kept for Jesus Christ, contend for the faith. We know what that all is all about. We talked about that. That was once for all entrusted to God's holy people, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you and us to eternal life. So we're waiting for that day. Are you waiting for that day? When Jesus comes back, um, I think I said it last week that we all, I want to say with John at the end of Revelation, come Lord Jesus. I, I want you to come because you look around, it's, 
not so pretty sometimes. And we want Jesus to come. But in the meantime, we have to contend for the faith, pass it on to others. Now, you're not going to understand this number right now, but I'm going to walk through that. This is what I was thinking last week as I was preparing for this message. This is what I was thinking about, and I'm going to run you through it. If you don't, we'll, we'll just run through it. You'll understand, hopefully. So there's an estimated 4,000 religions in the world. That's a lot. And you know one of them is what? Christianity, that's what we believe. We follow Jesus, right? Now, that's one of 4,000 different religions in the world. So I'm thinking about this. Then I'm like, Christianity, ooh, 600 denominations, possibly 41,000 different combinations here and there, one source said. So I'm like, woo, okay, here we go. I'm thinking of this. You'll understand from the text, too. And then since 4th century B.C., Around 2,000 different versions of the Bible. That's English translations, different versions of the Bible. Which one do we use? Which one do we read? Okay? These are my thoughts this week, so you're getting in the mind of Keith, okay? And then you look at this. Jesus taught two ways. Two ways. Taught by Jesus. There's the broad way and the narrow, right? And then Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. My thoughts this week, that's what I was thinking about this passage. There's so many different religions. We're, we're in one of that category. That's what people put us in, religions. And then you got so many different churches worldwide. Then you have so many different English versions of the Bible. Then you have Jesus saying there's only two ways. And then he said, not me, I'm not pointing at me, but Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That was what I was thinking this week as I'm preparing for this. I just wanted to get you in the mind of Keith a little bit. So, and then I got this quote from Jeffrey Bromley in his commentary. He writes, Because of the Holy Spirit is the true author of because the Holy Spirit is the true author of Scripture, he is essential to its proper understanding. If we are not led by the Spirit when we go to God's Word, I don't think we're going to understand it quite clearly. But when you have the Holy Spirit, believer, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, which you do, you can understand the Bible. You can understand what Jesus taught. You can understand what the apostles were teaching. But be led by the Spirit. If we don't have the Spirit leading us and guiding us, we're not going to understand it quite clearly. That's my thoughts this week as we got into Jude, okay? So Jude chapter 4, here we go. And you have the title there, Choices Have Consequences. Everybody say that. Choices have consequences. Sometimes good consequences, right? Yes. But sometimes, ooh, not so good. All right? And if, you're, if you were ever in school, you know that. You get in trouble, what happens? You have to do extra work, you have to do something for the teacher, or just no recess that day, or no gym time, or whatever. So you understand that choices have consequences, but we're going to look at some tough things in here, and 
I heard one preacher was speaking on Jude, and he said, he got up to the pulpit and he said, Congregation, I want to be encouraging and joyful today, but today it's not going to be the, so joyful and encouraging. <laughs> um, I'm going to have some encouragement today, but there's some gloom here. There's some hard things that's like, that's going to happen to people. So as we come to Jude, remember, choices have consequences. Let's read together. We're going to read verse 4, verse 8, and verse 10 to begin. Verse 4. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. Remember, this is the reason. Remember the reason he's writing. Contend for the faith, and he gives the reason here. Certain people have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our Lord into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. Verse 8. In the very same way, on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and heap abuse on celestial beings. Verse 10. Yet these people, speaking of the ungodly people again, slander whatever they do not understand. And the very things they do understand by instinct, as irrational animals do, will destroy them. So, Jude gives the reason why we need to contend for the faith, because people have slipped in secretly among us. Secretly slipped in. People don't realize they're coming in. Okay? If you secretly slip in somewhere and nobody notices... It's kind of, is it eye-opening? These people, these ungodly people, are among us. And Jude warns his believers, these believers, this congregation that he's writing to, or Christians in general, he's saying, listen up. Be warned that these people are among you and who pervert the grace of our God and denying Jesus as only sovereign and Lord. Well, what does that mean? Perverting the grace of our God and denying Jesus Christ, our only sovereign Lord. You know, I love definitions. Sovereign means having the highest power and authority. So Jesus has the highest power and authority. And Lord means having power and authority over others. So if Jesus is the highest power and authority and he has power and authority over others, who should we be listening to? Who? Jesus. What he taught. What his disciples taught from Jesus. You know, Jesus teaching disciples and they go out and spread the news. So Jesus, they're denying this. Okay, now go to 2 Peter real quick. It's very close to Jude. And 2 Peter, some people say that 2 Peter is a commentary of Jude. Because <laughs> they say similar things. They say Jude was written first, but Peter kind of explained, again, what Jude was talking about. So chapter 2, verse 1, Peter writes this in chapter 2. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. So Peter says there was false prophets among us back in the day, and now there will be false teachers among you in the future. They're here. And then go to Titus. 
Titus, Paul writes to Titus, he's talking about false teachers and false leaders, and he says this about them. Titus chapter 1, verse 16. It says this, They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. These ungodly people, these false teachers are coming in secretly and trying to divide, trying to confuse the people, believers. They want to mix things up. They're like, oh, don't follow that. Mix it with this and you'll be all right. And do you remember where it all started? Do you remember where it all started? Who twisted the truth? Way back in the garden, right? Jesus, or God, created the world. He creates humans and he says there's two trees, right? Eat that one. But this one, don't even touch it. The, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And what does the evil one come? The serpent comes in. What does he say to Eve? He says, did God really say that you're going to die? If you eat this, you're going to know what? Good and evil. But did God really say you're going to die? He didn't say that. Did, did the evil one state some truth? Yes. But did he also twist it and say, that's not going to really happen. Here you go. And we know what happened. Eats the fruit. They both do. They go hide. God's like, what are you doing? Did you eat it? All right? So they twist the truth. And now, these ungodly people, though, did you, did you catch that in verse for they pervert the grace of God as a what? License for immorality. This is what they say, I think. This is what they would say. Because of the grace of God, I'm free to act in whatever behavior or lifestyle I see fit. I don't have to conform to any standards because of the grace of God. That's what they're probably saying. They're like, because I have the grace of God, I could do what I want. I'm covered. God's gracious to me. I could do whatever I want. That's what they're saying. These ungodly people also, though, deny Jesus Christ as sovereign and Lord. They pervert the grace to do whatever they want, but they also say, ah, Jesus is, is God, but he's not the sovereign and Lord. They deny that. One commentator wrote this, which I thought was helpful. Such impostors deny the Lord Jesus Christ. They do not deny the existence of Jesus, but simply reject that he is Lord, the Christ, the anointed one. They deny that he is God and that he is coming again. They deny that he paid for sin on Calvary, that he is Messiah and Savior, or even that they need a Savior. That helped me out. And then Larry George, another commentator, write, they are using their authority to stain, defile, and divide the community. Do you see that today? No, no, no. Do we see that today? Right? We see it all around. 
these teachers there. Use their authority and stain it and defile and divide. The community, that's supposed to be what? United. These ungodly people, they do have knowledge, right? They have knowledge, but their wisdom, their wisdom is not built on the right foundation. And you answered me earlier, who are we supposed to listen to? Jesus. So go to Luke chapter 6. This is one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. And Jesus taught this, which I love it because we need to be building on the right foundation, correct? So Jesus teaches about these two builders. You have one builder that's wise, one builder that's foolish. And he talks to the crowd. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man, a woman, building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man or woman who put or built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Jesus says there's two types of builders. Which one are you? That's what he's saying. Are you a wise builder building on a foundation that's strong? Or are you building on a foundation that's non-existent? A pastor friend of mine showed a video outside of his church and there's a little tree. And there was a, or outside of, it wasn't his church, but another church building. But there was a huge tornado wind. And what did this little tree do? It didn't fly away. I mean, it was like this big. And in the background, you see a flipped SUV because of the wind. But that tree stayed put. And Bill hit it on the head in the communion. Who are we supposed to be connected to? Jesus. The foundation. Remember, you don't have to agree with me, but I think the faith is building your faith on Jesus. And you won't collapse. You won't fall. You won't fall into these heresies, these false teachers that are trying to stain, defile, and divide the community. Verse 5, here we go. Verse 5 of Jude Though you already know all this, huh, (laughs) would you want that in a letter? You know this already. You know this. I don't even have to tell you, but that's what Jude says. You know this already. I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. Ouch. Jude knows that his audience understands this story and knows the story of the past. But they're destroyed because of what? They did not believe. Jesus, or God delivered them out of Egypt. Miraculously. 
And then they're destroyed because they do not believe. And I was thinking about this and all I could think about was Mark chapter 9. Yes, I had to, you know, write the, the verse and then gives me the reference. You know, when you do that, you forget the reference, but you know the verse. But this is what I was thinking. This man comes to Jesus because his son is demon-possessed and it throws him in the fire and throws him in the water and the, the kid could die because of this. And the disciples couldn't cast this demon out. But what he said... I think will help us here. They were destroyed because they don't believe. And the man says to Jesus, the father of the boy, immediately, well, Jesus in verse 23, Mark 9, 23 says, if you can, so the man says, Jesus, if you can, do something about this, please. And Jesus, I want to say like it's sarcastic, but it's not, just in Jesus' voice. If, if you can, if I can, what are you, what are you talking about? If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. But this is what I was thinking about. And I prayed this prayer to God because sometimes we don't believe. We know God's there and we know God works, but sometimes we're like, eh, I don't, are you going to do something? But here's what the boy's father said. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Do we need to pray that sometimes? God, help me overcome this unbelief that I have. Because, like I said, we look around the world and we're like, I, I just don't know what's going on. And we know God's there, but we just sometimes say, God, why aren't you doing anything? So I think we can pray that short prayer. God, help me overcome my unbelief. Then you get to verse 6 of Jude. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for the judgment on the great day. Rebellious angels are chained up with everlasting chains. They rebelled. And again, Second Peter is a commentary, they say, on Jude. So he says this. Peter writes about these angels. Peter says, for if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. And then later on he says, If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. These angels said, we're rebelling, we're going against you. And what happened to them? They were chained with everlasting chains, awaiting judgment. So you got destroyed for unbelief. You got rebellious angels being chained with everlasting chains. In verse 7, you have cities here. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. These, it was interesting to me because I read this, and it says Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up. They went against. They said, ah, we know the, what, we want, what it's supposed to happen, but we're doing this thing. They gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. But what are they served as? An example 
of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. There's consequences of your choices. And you see it. Unbelief, there's a consequence. Rebellion, there's a consequence. Giving yourselves up to sexual morality and perversion, there's a consequence. Of eternal fire. So, people listening today, and myself, what kind of choices are we making each and every day? Something we need to think about, maybe every day. And then I love verse 9 because it gives us a, a kind of a response that we can respond to people, you know. Verse 9, but even the archangel Michael, do you think he had authority as an archangel? Say yes. He was, you know, I don't want to say the top, top, but he was, he was up there. When he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, so somehow they're disputing over Moses' dead body. But Michael says, I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to say anything about you, devil, but I'm going to say this. The Lord rebuke you. God's going to take care of you. I don't have to do anything. So when I look around this world that's crazy, sometimes our response may just be, the Lord's going to take care of it. Sometimes we might have to respond like that. And it's not a cop-out, I don't think. Some people may say, well, do something about it. But sometimes we might have to just say, the Lord's going to take care of you. And walk away. That's what I think Michael does. He says, the Lord rebuke you, devil. I'm going back to where I need to be. And then, I think... And VBS helped me out with this one because I already wrote it, but I went to VBS a couple days and they were singing a song about what? The armor of God. And so Ephesians chapter 6, if you want to read it later, oh man, what are we supposed to be putting on in our daily lives to what? Fight against the devil's schemes. I don't think... Kelsey reminded me of this from Ephesians. We wrestle against the spiritual forces around us. It's not against somebody else. Which it may seem like that, but the spiritual forces, whether good or evil, we're battling, okay? So we have to put on this armor of God to fight the devil's schemes. Do you like people scheming you? Do you like people tricking you? I don't, but we have to put on the full armor of God to fight against those tricks, those people that are trying to divide us. So we come, what now? How do we take this passage that seems to be a lot of like sadness or gloominess because people are being destroyed, people are being divided, people are chained up, the angels are chained up till the 
judgment, and how do we, what do we do with this? I have four things. Number one, use your gifts and talents to further the work of God's kingdom according to the grace given to you. Remember, these teachers, these ungodly people, they say, yes, I have grace, but I'm going to do whatever I want. What do we do with the grace given to us? Do we use it to further God's kingdom? Number two, believe that Jesus is our only sovereign and Lord. Remember, these people deny Jesus, our only sovereign and Lord. Let us believe that. And I ask the question to you and myself, do we believe that? I know that some people say, I believe Jesus is the only sovereign and Lord, but do we actually believe it? Or do we just say we believe? Another thing to think about. Number three, be on guard against false teachings. You know I all love to read. You know I love to read. I have tons of books on my shelf. I love to read them. And I mentioned it before. I don't agree with everything I read. You probably do the same. You probably don't agree with everything you read. But what do we do with something we don't agree with? Do we believe it? Say, oh, that sounds good. I'm going to believe that because it sounds better than what I'm believing. Or do we actually study it and go to God's word and say, is it actually say that? Be on guard against false teaching. And remember, there are some people who are going to come up to you with questions. And you're going to have to know how to answer them. So be on guard against false teaching. It's an, this is a, not a silly example, but I was doing my internship in the hospital and a patient, um, I said, how you doing today? And the patient was like, pretty good. I mean, she was in the hospital, but she said, pretty good. I'm getting better. And she was a Christian, follower of Jesus, and she's like, I listen to two preachers every week, and she gives me the names, and what is the next time I come in, and I gave her a quote from the preacher I thought was more teaching the right thing. (laughs) But there are people out there that are listening to these different teachings, and sometimes they're like, oh, this sounds good, I'm going to follow this for a while. Oh, this one sounds good, I'm going to follow this one for a while. Oh, this one sounds good, I'm going to follow this one right now. So be on guard against false teaching. Number four, last one. The choices we make have eternal consequences. If you make a choice, whether good or bad, there's eternal consequences, whether good or bad. So what kind of choices are we making today? Remember those four. Use your gift to further the work of God's kingdom according to the grace given you. Remember, believe Jesus is the only sovereign and Lord. Be on guard against false teaching and the choices we make have eternal consequences. And I want to go back really quick to Jude. Jude, the brother of James, who we went, we went over his letter, James's letter. Jude, the brother of James. Remember, they didn't say brothers of Jesus. These two guys did not believe Jesus until he resurrected and showed himself. And one thing I want to remember, it kind of goes along with this. Are we using our gift to further God's kingdom and are we believing Jesus? Are we being on guard against false teaching and the choices we make? Jude made a choice to follow Jesus. 
And one thing I want to remind you of, and I was going to say it before I even started this message, but don't give up on your family. Jesus probably didn't give up on Jude or James. He was probably saying, hey, Jude and James, why aren't you hearing what I'm teaching when he was alive? Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on the family of God. Don't forgive, give up on any family members that don't believe yet. Keep praying for them. Because Jude and James, they finally realized Jesus, their brother, was the Savior. So don't give up. I'll close with this, and then we can sing our last song. But there's power in the name of Jesus. There's victory in Jesus. He took Himself the sins of the whole world, and they were nailed to the cruel cross of Calvary. His name is Jesus because He will save His people from their sins. He conquered death by rising from the grave. Death is defeated. Two things to close. If you need to repent of your sins, do that. Confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. Be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Make that choice today. But if you have already made that choice, remember, for those of us who have been baptized into Christ, remember that we were buried with Jesus. Through the baptism. In order that. Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. It doesn't stop in the water. Some people want to say that. Yeah, I'm following Jesus. I was baptized into Christ. I'm good. Pervert the grace of God into a license to do whatever they want. It doesn't stop at the water. It doesn't stop at saying Jesus is Christ. It doesn't stop at repentance. It doesn't stop at whatever. We too may live a new life. Are we living it? I ask that question. Are we living the new life in Christ? And Jude is a helpful reminder to do that. As we come and sing this last song, pray with me. And if you need to make a decision, do it. Because what does number four say? The choices we make have eternal consequences. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for Jude and the letter he wrote. Remember, he wrote this to urge them to contend for the faith. And I pray that we would contend for the faith and make the choices that you want us to make and help us to further your work here on earth to impact people with the gospel of Jesus because Jesus changes lives. So I pray that the choices we make, that we make the right one today. Be with the hearers in this building right now and also online that they would believe you, trust you, and to follow you and walk in the new life that you have given us. And we always thank you for Jesus. And it's in his wonderful, precious name we pray. Amen. Please stand.